Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the smart warehousing story with my friend Carl Wassinger. How's it going, Carl? Good, good. Glad to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you. Very, very excited. So, Carl, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. Absolutely. My name is Carl Wassinger. I'm the founder and CEO at Smart Warehousing. Uh, we're based in uh, Overland Park, Kansas, a little suburb in Kansas City, so kind of right in the middle of the country. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because you have warehouses all over the place. And one of the things I just said to you before we hit record was somebody was on my podcast not so long ago, and I wish somebody would send me this stat confirming this, but that most warehousing companies have one location. And that was great before the internet. <laughs> that was great before e-commerce. But now with same day, next day, having one location conveniently located in Texas or Indiana is uh, not going to not going to cut it. So I'm excited to talk to someone who's got it this country covered. So, Carl, first off, explain to me when you say Kansas City, is Kansas City in Missouri or is this Kansas City in Kansas? Well, we're on the Kansas side. It, the, the city kind of splits right down the middle. We've got Missouri to the east and Kansas to the west. But Overland Park's on the Kansas side, and and uh, that's where we set up shop 21 years ago, and and we kind of continued to use this as our base operation. So Smart Warehousing, you have locations. How many locations do you have around the country? I think we're at uh, 36 right now around the country, east coast to west coast, up, you know, southeast all the way around the country. So I think 30, 36, I think, facilities and about 12 million square feet of space. Yeah. And before we hit record, you said you're about half kind of the traditional shipping to stores and other warehousings and half going direct to consumer? That's correct. Uh, we're, we, we have a very diversified customer portfolio and, and we re- really believe that uh, helping the client you know leverage that inventory across multiple channels is is what makes exactly. clients the most competitive. And so we've built our systems around supporting, you know, as much of the channel need as they, that we can so that they can, you know, they don't have to carrying costs. That's the boogeyman in the industry. So try to help them reduce that cost. We'll come, I want to definitely come back to carrying costs, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you do both kind of the, what I'll call traditional warehousing, which is shipping to stores. And then the other, which is set going direct to consumer because I think for a minute, everyone got all excited and said, oh, everything's going to be shipped directly to consumers. But then we started seeing traditional e-commerce companies, or I shouldn't say not traditional e-commerce companies, web natives, you know, the the Warby Parkers saying, we're going to open stores. Whoa, okay. And then the like, I think it's some of the mattress companies that were, that were started as direct to consumers saying, we're going to open stores. By the way, I have no idea how someone buys a mattress without laying down on it. So I... I love e-commerce. I think we all do, especially around Christmas time now. But the idea that there's going to be no stores makes no sense to me at all because I think we're going to have stores for for a lot of things. Like I bought my laptop computer. I'm never going to buy that online if I don't have to. I'm going to go over and try it out at Best Buy. 
I want to see how, somebody could say it all weighs two pounds. I need to feel what it feels like in my hands. I don't know what two pounds feels like. <laughs> right. No, I think you're right. I think, I think there's going to continue to, you know, a, a very wide, I guess, the way people buy are going to continue to, I think they'll try the new stuff. I think they're can, they'll use the kind of old fashioned methods and combinations thereof. And, you know, from a freight perspective and a warehouse perspective, you know, positioning is going to be kind of key and, and the technology to support that. Yep. Yep. And I, by the way, I feel like when Amazon came in, they said, you don't have to go to a bookstore ever again. We're going to get you books. And it was like, wait, you had to take that experience away. Who disliked going to bookstores? You could take the the garbage can buying experience away. I didn't enjoy that as much. And it's a funny thing. Now, when you look at these uh, stores, I think we're going to see stores become more about an experience that you actually want. Most of us don't look and go, isn't it? Isn't it a great experience to go to the grocery store? Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> it's just something you have to do. But you do like going to farm markets. You do like going to little boutiques that got all the specialized food that you want. So I think we're going to see more and more stuff that is, um, you know, we're going to start seeing that segregate a little bit where it's like, give me a great experience, make me want to come here or ship it to my house. Yeah, I think it will be. I think that's exactly right. So I want to understand a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started the mighty smart warehousing company. All right. Well, it was uh, not, not a super glamorous story. I'm a I'm a Kansas farm kid and and uh, grew up in the state, out on the western part of the state, and went to college at, at KSU and got a business degree and started playing around with information systems and and so uh, that was geeky back then. It wasn't was cool really when you were doing back it then, back in the <laughs> '80s before anybody. You know, we were you know, everything that happens today on the internet is you know totally different than what it was in the '80s. So. Uh, we have a lot of really good, smart programmers here today that it's a good thing they're here because I can't hardly keep up with them anymore. But, but yeah, so I, I uh, got sucked into the supply chain industry, was helping some people uh, in the in the food in industry and flour milling and helping support uh, that kind of business. And, you know, one thing led to another and, and was working here in Kansas City in a large uh, warehouse and distribution center and and just really listening to the clients. We worked with a lot of clients and the technology piece continued to rare, rare up as far as a big challenge. And, and I knew enough about the, the, what was going on on the internet and in the banking, really the banking industry was sort of my, you know, my inspiration for what they were doing in the banking industry, thinking we could do that with inventory. And so that's really how smart warehousing started. I, I felt like if we could give them a system where they could manage their inventory and take a look at what was going on with their ins and outs, that uh, that takes some process work out and some people work out and and uh, just a lot of clients make decisions quicker. And so finally jumped out of corporate America and, and rolled up my sleeves and in uh, September of, of 01, uh, started Smart Warehousing here in Kansas City in about, oh, about 4,800 square feet of space. And and with one <laughs> one customer, and and we just kept going, and it was a really rotten time to start a business. Eleven days later, nine eleven hit, and the whole world stopped. So, my wife wasn't very happy about that. But it, it, a lot of macaroni and cheese while we got this company started. Yeah. So, what was your first? What was your first uh, type of business that you supported? Uh, there were two. We had helped a local furniture company do some 
some uh, distribution of their furniture. They were selling out of stores. And then we also did some direct consumer for a, a publishing company that was located here in Kansas City. So before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about the, your technology. So you guys developed your own in-house um, software and you got some other companies using it too. But tell me a little bit, when did you, did you start your software off right away or was that kind of uh, after the fact? Well, it was really kind of in tandem. I, we had some software and I was kind of wanting to show it off and maybe get into the software business. And as we were, we were talking about the software, the clients were like, well, can you help us with the warehousing business as well? And so we ended up kind of doing them together and really, you know, worked out well for us because we became a super user of that system and we could figure out what we needed it to do to help with the solutions on the customer side. And, and I think if we hadn't done it that way, you know, we may have been beholden to the system side of the business or, or really the operation side. And, and by doing them together, right, we, it was probably the worst idea for a lot of years and turned into the best idea. Yeah. I had Ben Gordon from Cambridge Capital on my podcast. He said this probably six months, a year ago. He said, you know, when it comes to warehousing and fulfillment, he says, there's the guys who are the techies and there's the guys who are the operators. And he said, and you know, the operations guys lack in obviously technology and the technologist guys who are the pure technology companies lack the operational chops to make things happen, right? And it seems as if uh, smart warehousing and your team grew up hybrids, which is what exactly what we need. I mean, I don't want one or the other. I want both. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we ended up doing. I mean, that kind of that intersection of data and domain. And and uh, we were, I'm not we're sure when we first started, we were good at either one of them, but we, we continued we got better. to... <laughs> to figure it out and, and perfect it and make it better. And, and gosh, I think last time I checked, we, we created solutions that helped almost 4,000 companies here in the U S and since I started. Wow. Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the, so before we hit record, you were talking about replenishment and then we also just touched on carrying costs. So what is, what is replenishment and what, I mean, if I look at your website, that's one of the top services you guys provide. So, you know, replenishment, has traditionally been thought about, you know, inside the four walls, you know, creating pick forward locations, bringing back stock to forward stock. And then in, in the retail world, the retail world has done a pretty good job. The Walmarts of the world, they replenish their stores and, and, and manufacturing does a really good job replenishing, you know, parts and raw goods so they can, you know, build whatever they're building. And in the just supply chain world, especially uh, in, in the e-com and, and omni world where you're just needing to spread out product, optimizing a network, replenishing a network of warehouses is pretty new, especially if it's into locations you don't control or you're using 3PLs. And, and so one of the services we provide is really assisting those clients and customers thinking about how that replenishment works and where to place inventory. And, and so you don't have too much or too little try to minimize the, the last mile costs and, and try to keep up with the demands today. It didn't used to be that big a deal. And there was a lot more forgiveness in the industry than there is today, but the consumers are pretty impatient. And if it's not right there when they need it, they're uh, shopping somewhere else. Yeah. So replenishment traditionally meant I have, uh, I'm, I'm an automotive guy, so I'll just use this example, yeah. was we would get stuff from our, either a supplier. If it came from overseas, a lot of times it went to a warehouse. 
because you don't want to be kind of just in time from Vietnam or Korea or China, right? So we would have a warehouse. And that so replenishment in that case is like I replenish one or two or three plants, no big deal. We're, we know those routes real well. But now when you say replenishment for e-commerce, I need to know where my sales are at and I need to be able to kind of predict that because same day, next day is the rule, right? So if, if if I'm selling a little more in Los Angeles and a little less in New York and a little more in Detroit and a little less in Florida, I need to know all that and I need to move the, the inventory in a way that I don't have a whole bunch of stuff that sits and goes obsolete or just or just drives my carrying costs up. That's a that's a technology problem more than a I, I wrong way to say it. That's a technology problem, but also a logistics problem. It, it's a huge technology problem, and and in in your example, manufacturing that line produced a certain amount of product every day, and it never changed. Right, fairly predictable. Very predictable. <laughs> and and what what's happened in the world today with you know the internet and the direct consumer? I mean, it could that can change super fast. And, uh, and so you're constantly looking at those patterns and we do a lot of, you know, the deep tech side of our business around machine learning and trying to figure out what products need to go where and when. Um, so we've built a lot of programming around what that, what that helps support for those solutions. But, uh, it's, um, it's a different, different today than it used to be. And, and the costs are high and the customers are, uh, not as patient well, maybe as they used to be. Yeah, patient. Yeah, they they aren't going to be. And I remember when I was still moving logistics, we had a customer, and they sold equipment that went to these commercial companies. And if we didn't get it to them the day they went, if they wasn't in inventory, they went down the street and bought it somewhere else. So the there was no, you know, you mentioned lack of loyalty. I don't want you to call it lack of loyalty. If I'm uh, if I need to use that equipment today and I can't get it from you, I. I don't want my team to sit around. I'm going to buy it down the street. That's that's just that's just business. So, and but I think also consumers are that way. And I, you, I, we get used to saying e-commerce, and usually that meant e-commerce was direct to consumer. But now e-commerce now more and more means business to business. And I think we're seeing so all these lines are blurring, but it makes it increasingly complex to manage this stuff. And so, if you're a an electronics company, or if you're one of these kind of companies, they they expect that they have to compete with Amazon, and they're not going to have all that in-house capability necessarily. They don't have a software and a, a warehousing team that's been doing that for 25 years. <laughs> it's uh, that's why you need someone like uh, you and your team because I think the world's just changed and the bar is just so damn high, which is good. We're all used to that too. <laughs> well, it it certainly separated the you know, folks that, you know, can, you know, do it in their head and versus needing a system. I mean, and you don't have a system today. It's really hard to manage that. And, and so, um, you know, we talk a lot internally and with clients about right stuff in the right place at the right time. And that's the easiest thing to put on the chalkboard or the whiteboard, but it's sure hard to make happen across the, you know, the U.S. It's a big place. Yep. By the way, um, increasingly we hear about sustainability. We all have customers who are asking for that. And if you look and talk about greenhouse gases, 80% of the greenhouse gases come from the supply chain. No surprise there. One of my one of my sponsors, Throughput, they, they talk about, they have a software help 
proof throughput, obviously, but they've got some research that suggests 30% of the stuff that we make uh, never gets sold to the end consumer. It, it dies somewhere along the line, obsolete. With We'll get to cold chain in a minute. I know you guys manage that. There's an incredible amount of food that goes to waste. And you think about how horrible that is when there's there's hungry people somewhere and we've spent all this time and money growing crops, growing crops, growing, growing uh, feedstock, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess cows, chickens, all that, they're all very expensive to grow. And then at some point, we throw it out at the very end of the supply chain because we couldn't plan correctly. And that is very normal, getting less normal because of guys like you, Carl. But I can tell you this, when I was in automotive we would ship stuff to China or Thailand, it would become obsolete while it was on the ocean. And same thing, we got this enormous long supply chain and just about the time when you're going to use it, you say, throw it out. And so we have to get better at that planning. And again, that carrying costs is is huge. So talk about how you help your customers reduce those damn carrying costs. Well, first off, explain what those are for people who don't have to live and die with it. Well, the, you know, I I always said that inventory is probably one of the most, you know, misunderstood things. And some people are really, really good at it. But a lot of companies, you know, it, it becomes just a a cost, right? And, and I don't think they really, maybe the accounting side of the business jumps in and talks about how much it costs to carry a bunch of extra inventory they don't need or obsolete inventory that goes out of out of date and where they have to discount it to sell it. But last number I heard in the U.S. was about $2 trillion a year in carrying costs. And, and, Jeez, and, and so there's a, 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 it's a big number. And I always say that's the boogeyman in the industry. It's uh, it's really about the inventory. And, and so the visibility in, in our, our world, it's really about visibility and, creating, giving the visibility, giving the information back to the clients that need, need it to make those decisions. It's as a 3PO, it's hard for us to make those decisions for someone, how long to keep something, when to sell something, when to discount something. The best we can do is help them with visibility and give them the tools that, that give them a way to know, or hopefully they manage, manage the business better. And, and they can think about placement and they can think about replenishment and think about purchase size, you know, what, what they buy, what they replenish into their supply chains. But uh, I think we, you combat carrying costs with, with visibility so that you can, you can start making decisions about it and really pull the curtain back on, on how that works. That's going to be a huge part of the industry, I think, going forward. And one of the reasons we're excited about kind of where we're positioned in the market right now is that technology is going to open the gates, I think, to letting people manage those inventories better. Yep. I was talking to somebody a few years ago now, but it always stuck in my head. They um, they were talking about, you know, by the time you put in carrying costs and transportation costs on a lot of stuff, by the time it sells, especially in retail locations, you find out that you lost money on it. And we're right now, we're recording this in late December, uh, probably won't be heard till January, but we know this. On December 26th, a lot of stuff is worth virtually nothing. You're not going to send it back. This Christmas candy, you don't say, hey, send that Christmas candy. It'll be good for next year. No, nah, probably not. <laughs> and you're, you can discount it. And there's going to be people who run out and buy that discount. But it's not just food that is perishable. Clothes are seasonal up here in the in the cold weather. We 
I don't want to buy winter stuff in April. I probably still still need it here in Michigan, but I want to, I don't want to buy it. I'm I'm looking towards May, right? Women's clothes in particular, they're so so sensitive to the time. So I think we you know we are we are not anywhere near where we need to be on predicting this. And the information was never available. We didn't have that visibility that you're now providing. But I think it's the carrying costs and and then where it's selling at is starting to be information that you can feed back. And so it used to be, hey, I need, 30 years ago, I need a warehouse to store stuff, right? And occasionally move it out. Now it's 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 becoming data centers. The guys who say, I know where my I know where your stuff's at. I know what sells when. We tease all the time here internally that the the smart warehousing may end up ultimately being about the information, not the not the product. And and so there's a lot, a lot of data out there. We've been collecting data for, for a long time and, and the industry's gotten really good at, at at you know big data, collecting data. There's tons of data. It's not always the cleanest, most organized data in the world, but there's a lot of it. And so it gets better every day. Yeah. The companies that are going to be able to take that data and turn it into some actionable information for their clients will will be uh, they'll, they'll really be popular. Those are going to be the companies that need that are in high demand to, to help out. Yep. So I know you do cold chain and I know you do a lot of other stuff. So talk about why cold chain is harder than the the average stuff that you have in your warehouses. Well, so it, if you don't put the right amount of, you know, dry ice and things like when you ship it, it'll thaw out and, and then it becomes worthless as we were talking about, right? So so cold chain takes the the whole concept around right stuff, right place, right time, kind of to a whole different level. And in about, see, I guess 11 years ago, we got into that business. In Kansas City, there was a, a frozen facility that we were able to to become part of. And, and so we really started cutting our teeth. We started applying our technology into that world. And, and about the same time, all the direct consumer and people were started ordering more and more food online. And so that really became uh, a really rapid growth side of the business for smart warehousing. And, and so uh, our technology, again, we, because it's proprietary, because it's some, uh, because it's uh, tech that we control and we have, Gosh, I think we have 40 some people here at Smart Warehousing that are constantly working on that system, making it better and continuing to build out capabilities. But we went to work and we designed a, a way for us to know exactly, you know, where, what zip code it was going, what zone it was going, how much dry ice it needed, how, what days you could ship it, what days you couldn't ship it. And so uh, continued to uh, refine how, how we could get that uh, cold chain more and more accurate all the time. And and now with our uh, network of warehouses around the country, we can move uh, large volumes into the regional locations and the what we call branch locations, and then do last mile from from those locations and reduce the cost. And uh, we even make our own dry ice now. We produce you know thousands of pounds an hour, so it's crazy how much dry ice we go through. <laughs> well, now so now the, the delivery is obviously a real challenge. You just mentioned that, so we have. When we talk about cold chain, some of it's frozen, like frozen food, right? Right. And some of it's just refrigerated, so that you know, temperature controlled. We'll call it. Is virtual? Is all that? Is most of that stuff food? When we talk about cold chain, 
Right. So we're we're there's there's a pet category that's that's starting to get more and more popular around the cold and, and frozen, but but most of it's food. I mean, you're talking about meats and proteins and ice creams and all kinds of things like that that are shipped around this time of the year, super busy because of the holiday season. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting when talking about food, I know we have the Food Safety Modernization Act came around a while back and kind of raised the bar on shipping food. And that I think that was the first overhaul of the FDA in its 70 years of existence. And And I know a lot of, I did a lot of training and probably 50 training sessions on that. And a lot of people, I won't mention names, of course, but said, the FDA is not our boss. They're not the boss of me. And I was like, they are now because if you're moving food or if you're storing food, you are <laughs> you are responsible for meeting these standards. And the standards are really high in terms of training your people, in terms of documentation, in terms of proving your processes are right and proving and being able to prove. I always say it's like chain of custody, like we all watch the cop shows and uh, we know how the chain of custody works on those shows. You have to be able to prove that this was never in a place where it could be exposed to rodents or bugs or crazy people who want to tamper with it. So that bar is much higher. It's again, I think people misunderstand when they hear cold chain, they think, oh, it's just a whole bunch of freezers and stuff. It's probably more data than anything at this one minute. Am I right to say that? Yeah, you're, the data is a big part of it for sure, but uh, you're not wrong. I mean, there's a lot of compliance, uh, a lot of training, a lot of uh, you know food safety efforts that go into making sure your teams and your your uh, locations all meet a certain criteria. Lots of food audits, the companies do them, FDAs. I mean, you got to get registered. I mean, there's it's a it's not for the faint of heart to get all that set up so you can support that kind of cold chain. Yeah, and and I was just talking to somebody about this the other day that, you know, they said we use a lot of temporary help in this business in warehousing, which has always been the way, which is fine. But then, of course, as soon as I move temporary help into uh, an area where it's the uh, the compliance is higher than the training is higher, you have to deal with all that. And again, I'm, I'm not – I know you guys are doing the right thing. I'm not so sure that it's managed the way we want it to be managed nationwide because we do have so many temps in this industry and it especially gets tough ways when we talk about turnover so i i know that's probably you guys got like a full-time training team over there we we actually do and and so we have a great service and training program that we call i think it's called the big 14 now it used to be the big 12 and and so they go through all these different criteria of training and we have uh, training huddles and in uh, daily stand-up huddles. And there's a lot of things that happen in those warehouses, those facilities, because we do have a lot of new folks that join. We have seasonal folks that come help us. And this time of year, all the elves helping us make sure these orders get where they're ne- needing to go. Uh, some awesome people out there. But, uh, but yeah, there's the, you know, there's all that work that has to go into setting expectations and making sure that people are uh, following the processes. But uh, the tech will help us do it, but you still have to have some great leadership and some great teammates out there. Yeah. Well, again, I think, I don't know how, I told you this before we hit record that I get phone calls all the time from warehousing companies saying, hey, can you help us grow our sales? And I always ask, well, what WMS do you have? And a lot of them don't have one. And I don't know how you manage, you just talked about carrying costs. I don't know how you manage that. I don't know how you manage the compliance required with a lot of products now. I don't know how you do it without 
technology to say, yeah, th- this, <laughs> I don't know. I, first off, I don't know who would bring them business. It seems like your, your, your first thought would be, I have an order management system. What system will I connect to at your company? Right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, you're not wrong. I mean, it, it, I would hate to think about trying to do all this without a, without a system. I mean, it's just getting, getting the processes and like the virtual and the physical to match up at the same exact time in a system. And we have a, an internal program that's different than anything I've ever seen. We, I mean, I can click on one screen and see thousands of orders. I can look at the colors. I can look at the shapes. I can look at everything about those orders and know in two or three seconds whether we have a problem across thousands and thousands of orders. And we have a whole compliance team that's looking at that stuff all day long. And and that's you know, that helps us drive those processes and ensure that those things, those SLAs and performance indicators are, are working for us, not against us. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we talked a little bit about, so I know you do e-commerce and I know you do cold chain. Who's like your sweet spot? Who do you work with a lot? What kind of companies? I'm sure there's more than one kind of companies given all your locations, but what are some of your market segments that are important? I mean, we, we, we really do have a very diverse, I mean, we, we do a lot of food. We have some clients, I mean, the a Campbell soup, I mean, it would be a customer we bring in. Their product goes in the freezers, nice. to their food centers and, and their manufacturers for soup. And we have from, you know, from that kind of customer all the way to the, you know, somebody's manufacturing overseas or not domestically, and they're bringing that in and uh, we'll position that inventory around and ship it into the different channels and platforms that they support. Um, and so Omni is kind of where we're, we're shining. I mean, the technology that we've developed it's helping take that inventory and maximize the value of that inventory for our clients. And, and so we're not really designed to be overflow warehousing or just not seasonal. Yeah. We're not, we, we tend not to have much of that. We're in all the expensive places, just like you can imagine. And in companies, if they're not rolling that inventory and they're moving it through their supply chains quickly, then just storing it in California or someplace like that. And so they can't, it's really expensive. So, so it, we want to keep that stuff moving. So if you say Omni, what you mean by that is I got, let's just say you're working with like a retail sweater, a sweater company. And they say, we got small, medium, large men's, women's three, four different colors. You're managing it, not only shipping it to the stores that they sell it at, but also selling it, sending it if they have online and then do you also help them with marketplaces? Like if say, let's just say they're selling on Amazon, do you support that also? Correct. Yep. That's exactly right. So it's, it's really taking that inventory and trying to allow the clients to go in and out of as many of those worlds as they need to without having to go buy additional inventory. And that's, and one of the, I think, and maybe you can answer this, my assumption is after COVID, and I don't even know that we're done with COVID. I don't want to curse us knocking on wood. I think the natural inclination would be I'm going to overorder if I had stuff coming from China, it's coming from Asia. We know about the the challenge we had on the West Coast. I think let me ask, did people buy more inventory after that? Was there a surge in inventory because we were worried that we wouldn't be able to get stuff? I think in in some some of our categories there was certainly you know, it was rational. Yeah. I think let's get extra in here just in case. So that concept of just in case versus just in time, I think that certainly did happen. Some, some clients 
you know, they, they may have wanted to order more and they just couldn't get it in. I mean, the supply chain disruptions were such that it didn't really matter how much appetite they had. It was, it was, a they just couldn't get it. And so, you know, that happened as well. And then, you know, then others, I think were a little more conservative and they, they tried to, you know, change their, their purchasing based on the, you know, the worlds they were in. But I think we saw a little bit of everything. We had some clients that, you know, went down and others, you know, shot up as far as volumes went and, and, but, but that was an interesting couple of years, and I'm, I agree. I hope I hope it's behind us now, or largely. Behind oh, I got a buddy who just got COVID for the third time, and I'm like, God Almighty! I thought, yeah, and he got all the shots too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a freaky disease. Hopefully, we're done. So I want to switch gears on you for a minute. So you've you've grown a really successful company. Again, most warehousing locations or most warehousing companies have one location, and you've got 36 around the country. You must have done something right when it came to sales and to growth. I mean, so tell me, what have you learned along the way that that helped? I'm sure there was lots of mistakes. Don't so tell us the mistakes. Tell us the good. Tell us the things you learned that were positive that we could use through our own companies. Well, I think the the best. I don't think any company out there would argue this. The best salesperson is is the a current customer who's really happy, and they'll refer their friends and. And so early on, that was really our, what we did. We, we did a really, really good job They you know, people told their friends and their colleagues and, and that's how we grew the business. And, and then we had a lot of industry folks that would, you know, they knew we had our own technology platform. They knew we could design solutions that nobody else could and hopefully at, at good values and good rates. So they would call and, and so it kind of just ended up uh, word of mouth and, and referral business for a long time. And then recently, in the last few years, we've added a lot of sales and marketing support to Smart Warehousing. And and we've really seen some great results with, with that team here as well. So if somebody were needing some help. They got the wind at their back right now. Yeah, we They can call in and, and we can sit down and we kind of have a smart, what we call a smart conversation with them. And and see kind of what what they're trying to accomplish and whether or not we have something that can help them. And but you know just great industry knowledge. And if you think about the four thousand customers that we've helped in the last twenty one years, you end up with a really interesting perspective across so many different channels and so many different industries. And and so we've when you know we can bring that perspective to those conversations and and the solutions that we've seen in the past. It's really leaning into to that kind of background and expertise that's I think continuing to we're growing, you know, faster in the last few years than we've ever grown. Now did you do any acquisitions or was it all just organic growth? We we had a couple small acquisitions early and but we haven't really done much from an acquisition perspective in recent years. So you're in Kansas City. So when you wanted to say grow an off uh, a location somewhere else to say out west, how would you go about doing that? So the main thing was around the, the the client, the solution that we needed to figure out. So the client needed some help. So you grew with clients. Yep. Yep. The customer needed some help in that particular location or, or that particular part of the world from a geography perspective. And we analyzed the data and tried to figure out how we were going to help. And so we would, we would lease real estate and distribution centers and facilities, and then we'd go operate them. And Today, we continue to do that. We're getting ready to open a great big one in South Carolina and Columbia in this spring. And I think we've already... 
Is that just so you can go down there and golf? Well, I, I hope that we can get a little bit of play time in. All work and no play, you know what they say, right? But yeah, no, it, just to continue to get the warehouses in the right locations, continue to support those supply chains to, to from a last mile perspective. And, and if we can get it in the neighborhood, usually that that's that's a pretty important part of the process right there. Well, it's I've heard this from trucking companies that we grew with our we grew with our customers as they needed a lane, we opened a lane. As they, so we buy an extra truck because they, they said they keep us busy. And with warehousing and fulfillment, again, being a, such a important part of the e-commerce, we've seen growth in it. But again, I think one of the challenges has been is who's going to go, you, you got to spend on technology like you guys have, but you also have to spend on facilities. And again, this is, we've always had this, and I think in the transportation side where you see Trucking companies invest in trucks. A lot of the freight brokers invest in, and 3PLs tend to invest in technology. It's hard to do both. You've done both. (laughs) And I guess, you know, once you've created that software and you just keep expanding it to the next location, that's another challenge that you have. If if you're, let's just say, a company that says, we want to work in the omni-channel, you might have to hire multiple warehouses, which means you're going to do the integrations in multiple warehouses. That to me, is a nightmare. I mean, it's hard enough to get order management systems hooked up to, to, to the uh, warehouse management system and the warehouse management system connected to the transportation systems to say, oh yeah, we have one warehouse out west and one down south and one in the east and one in the Midwest. That's that's expensive. Yeah, so the you're, you're 100% right. The you know, optimizing a network that that only requires one integration is kind of utopia for a lot of companies. They love that, <laughs> absolutely. And, and because you know, we we turn the whole world into plumbing plumbers, connecting all the plumbing to connect all these different systems. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of systems out there. And and so uh, you know, we we tried to create. You know, I have nicknames for everything. I call it our electronic catcher's mitt. So. We don't really care what how what they throw at us. We get it. We put it into our formats. We get it into our world so that our teams know what to do with it, so it doesn't look different, and and then you know throw it back to them so they know what what to do with it. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, probably been one of the things that's helped our growth more than anything. It's just they don't have to generate a lot of time and effort in in systems because it you know it, there's two teams there's our team doing it and there's another team on the other side and those teams are you know really really busy and they've got lots of things to do and so hooking up all that stuff to warehouses the last usually hits low on the priority list for a lot right well i can imagine also you know if if i have multiple warehouses in your system i have goods let's just say i don't know where all your locations are but let's just say I'm in St. Louis and I'm also in Chicago and I'm trying to do same day next day. And Chicago doesn't have that red sweater in a small size, but St. Louis does. You can manage that. Now, if I've got multiple warehouse warehousing systems and multiple warehousing companies, I might still be able to make that happen, but it's going to require, as you said, some plumbing. Right? Somebody's going to have to integrate. And I I like the idea of the one throat to choke if I am, uh, or as some friend of mine has said, uh, one back to pat, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ideally, that's what we're getting. But 
I can't, I can't do that. I can't have that flexibility. And if I say, Hey, I need to send these, we're going to go e-commerce, but instead we want to make, put them on sale and send them to this retail location. If I got a whole bunch of different warehousing companies, I'm not going to be able to do that very easily. Yeah, no, it, it, it's exactly right. We had a, I was a company that we helped. They do some, I think they sell fire pits and outdoor leisure kind of stuff. And and the technology is really interesting. It'll it'll look and see where that order is going. It'll look and see what the replenishment is. It'll look to see how many they have. It'll look to see whether it's an order that's uh, coming, you know, from an Amazon order or some other Wayfair where they don't want to lose their their page. You know, they don't want to get dinged for missing a shipment and having all their things they have to do. And the Swims technology will do all that horsepower. And if it can't come out of Kansas City or can't come out of Chicago or can't come out of it. it goes around the horn to find the inventory and then it changes the ship method. So it automatically gets there. And when you go to your front door, it looks like it all happened automatically. Now you mentioned SWIMS. What is SWIMS? SWIMS is what we call uh, the Smart Warehouse <laughs> Information Management System. It's our our Omni order warehouse management system that we built. And you guys developed this in-house? Mm-hmm. We did. So this was the real simple system in 2001 that just kept getting better and better and better. Yep, that's uh, that's what we started with, and you grew you grew it as you needed it. We just kind of grew it as we needed it, and it's turned into quite a system. So we get asked all the time for for that system, and there's a few companies that we help, you know, beyond what we're we're, we're running, you know, in our own warehouses. But uh, uh, generally, we we run it in our own facilities and support you know thousands and thousands of of orders with that system every every week. Right. So I'm not going to ask you to name all 36 of them, but name some of your locations so we get a sense for the uh, for the the reach you guys have. So you know, just kind of going across the U.S. I mean, we're we're up in the northwest, up in the Seattle area. We're we're in in Reno and the Nevada. We're down in Southern California, and then kind of working across. We're we're obviously in the Kansas City market, and Texas, Houston, Dallas. We're in Arkansas. We're up in up by Chicago, Milwaukee area. We have operations out in Pennsylvania, down getting ready to start in South Carolina. And we're down in Florida as well. So we're we try to have. What about up here in Michigan? Don't don't you like our weather up here? We don't have anything up in Michigan right now. That's right. <laughs> so I got I Wait. visited your state a little bit last year and did a little. Oh, my brother's got a bus. We went and did a little bus tour up there and. Well, that's a really pretty state. I love it up there. Thank you so much. It's it's a little less nice when it gets uh, cold like it is this week, but uh, that's all right. It's it's part of why it gets so green in the in the in the summer. So, Carl, I want to wrap this bad boy up. I think I'm going to go over your time, but um, I want to know answer in any order you want. So, what's next for you? What's next for smart warehousing? And then what's next for this industry? When I say the industry, I mean warehousing. Uh, supporting again Omni and Cold and all the other stuff we just talked about. So, have at it. <laughs> well, so you know the easy ones. What's next for me? I mean, we have a an amazing leadership team here, and and as the CEO, I'm going to try to continue to support them and help them grow. We have some really you know robust growth plans, and if we continue what we've done the last two or three years, we're going to double and quadruple this business and really allow us to help more and more customers. So that's that's easy for me. I'm going to try to uh, be a, a good cheerleader around here and, and keep us pointed in the right direction and, and uh, help our customers. And, you know, what's what's kind of next for SMART is is really to, 
I think we're going to see the results of a lot of the investments that we made in our technology and and uh, over the last couple of years. And with all the changes in the supply chains that we've seen in the last couple of years, we've we've done a lot of behind the scenes, behind the curtain work around the the, the deep tech, the machine learning, the data science around trying to help clients figure out placement and positioning and inventory management. And the last piece is around that's around visibility. We think there's there's a, a real gap, I think, in the in being able to sort of see what's going on with your supply chains and and in a in a single pane of glass and screens that'll that are actionable, things you can actually do. So we have some really neat things that we have at Smart that we're kind of bringing to life here and we're excited about that. And then you know, I think, you know, lastly for the, you know, just for the business, it's it's early innings, I think, for what you know, what you're gonna see. Uh, and the industry is really going to change a lot, I think, in the next five or 10 years with with everything that's kind of coming to life on the from a tech perspective. And, you know, when you yeah, that, think about how that fast feels, you can that feels about right, these stuff, it's it's changing a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of that. I'm excited to be part of it. right Yeah. Now. Again, I think we're going to start being driven by the data. And I think when you start to say. You know what? We're by, by the way, one of the things I'm always kind of thinking is going. To, we're going to see more of. I mentioned my laptop. I, when I go to Best Buy, I say, "Oh, I want this laptop," and then they say, "Uh, oh, we don't have that in inventory. We'll ship it to your house tomorrow." Perfect. And I keep thinking, if you're Best Buy, do I want to have a hundred of these in my Brighton, Michigan store where I bought my stuff, or do I want to just put it somewhere in a central warehouse and say? I don't want to have to figure out how many of the, those models I'm going to sell. I'm just going to ship them three or four. And as they sell more, I'll send them more. But um, I'm never going to have that place where somebody goes, this laptop's a year old and it has to be deeply discounted. And we have so much stuff, not just food, not just clothes, not just technology, so much stuff in our life. If you don't get it, if it if it's sit for, for six months, it's garbage. And that's unfortunate and we need to do less of it. So I'm 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 totally with you. This is early innings. We're going to start being uh, driven by that data that you guys are creating. So anyway, enough of my blather, Carl. What what conferences do you guys get to? Do you guys attend some conferences? Yeah, we do. We 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 try to go out and visit clients. You know, a lot of the trade shows and and places. You know, whether that's an electronic show or a pet expo or frozen foods or something like that. We try to go out and visit our clients. And and while we're there, we wander around and talk to other folks that might need some help. But we're obviously members of companies or associations like the IWLA. And, and so we get our teams plugged into those kinds of things. But you know, we stay pretty busy just uh, making sure we're connected with the clients and helping them, you know, try to look around corners and get get as much visibility to them as we can. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll also put a link to your website and anything else your team gives me, I will put that in the show notes so uh, people can reach out and talk to you. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I love what you guys are doing because I, again, I feel like not everybody in the warehousing business has enough locations to support uh, same day, next day. Also, not every warehousing company has their own tech or good tech even. So congrats for making uh, the hard decisions a long time ago. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's been a long process, but we keep getting it better every day. And 
and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot of things. Yep, yep. Thank you so much, Carl, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Yep, and thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.